Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Hey, uh, real quick, before we jump into the message today, just want to inform you of some stuff that's going on real quick. Uh, Pastor Kent, uh, who has led our church, had led our church. That's still just weird for me to say. Okay, so like um, you lead pastor for 30 plus years um, is going, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be going on sabbatical starting tomorrow. Uh, our hope, hey, yeah, <laughs> that was him, by the way, that just screamed. So um that tells you where he's at with the sabbatical. But the, the, the hope and the heart behind the sabbatical is that he would have a time where him and his wife could uh, be refreshed and be recharged uh, so that he might come back in fresh and ready to go. Because he is coming back at the end of March and he's going to be stepping back into the preaching rotation. And we are excited to have him back. Uh, but also just wanted to kind of lay that before you as a church so that we might cover him in prayer during this time, that there wouldn't be any attack that happens right now, uh, but that you really would just get a great time to rest and recover uh, and that you and Jan would have an awesome time together. And so be praying for him. Also, if you have like any just big problems, any big burdens that are going on in your life right now, would you please just tell him today before he leaves uh, because he goes tomorrow. So just get that off your chest today. And uh, no, I'm kidding. But if you do want to slip him a 20, I don't think he'd reject it if you want to buy him dinner one time on the sabbatical. So he didn't even ask me to say that. All right, I just it's just woven into the culture of honor here, right? So um yeah, hey, we have been in this series the last few weeks called Established, and I don't have the time to go back over all of what we talked about the last few weeks of the month, uh, but I do want to go, I, we got to do a little work to kind of recap where we've been, uh, because my hope is that uh, this wouldn't be just part four of the series, it wouldn't just be the ending part of the series, as in it's just another one of the messages that just so happens to come at the end, uh, but my hope really that we would see this morning is that we want to do these last few weeks, we have to do these last few weeks in order that we might uh, experience and step into today's message. And so we, week one, we unpack this idea that God has established himself as the head of the church. And Jesus, he, he's established himself at the center. We're going to fix our eyes on him. We're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to seek guidance from him. And that's going to be as a church together, but it's also going to be individually. I just pray more than anything else that you would have this, this bedrock center where you just go, Jesus, I'm going to come before you and I'm going to trust your leading, your guiding in my life. And that's what we established week one is that that is how this church has operated uh, for ever since its inception. That's how it's going to operate for forevermore into the future. Hopefully. I mean, I, I don't plan on working here for forever, but like, we'll see, as long as I'm here, that's what we're going to be pushing at the heartbeat. And so Jesus is the center. Jesus is the head of the church was week one. Week two, we talked about uh, Jesus and, and God in his sovereign wishes has chosen to pardon us. He's chosen legally to, to set us free of the guilty verdict that we deserve because we've all stepped into sin. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. And, and still he as the judge and the sovereign Lord of the universe has decided I'm going to take that punishment and I'm going to put it on my son, Jesus, and I'm going to impute his righteousness to you. And so now, and so now how we get to operate our, our, our identity that we get to walk in is, is those of chosen sons and daughters, because he didn't just stop with forgiveness. He also adopted us into the family. 
And it's this beautiful identity that we get to just receive and we get to, we get to just kind of bring ourselves back into alignment with how he's created us to operate in the world. And then last week, week three, we talked about this idea of sanctification. And we talked about how um, sanctification, what it really boils down to is, is us choosing to put ourselves in the right environments, in the right context, so that God's grace might flow through us in the most unhindered way. So that as we orient our different spaces of our lives around who God is and what he's called us to do, we might, by his grace, grow into this point where we start to look more and more and more like him. And we talked about the main components of sanctification are that, that God, God is putting to death these desires of our flesh and he's starting, to, he's starting to kill off the spots where we're off and we don't line up with the heart of God. But he's also, it's not just putting things to death, he's also breathing life into us. He's, he's revitalizing and restoring the giftedness that he's put us in and the, and the things that he's woven into us so that we might look more like him. So he's making alive in our hearts the things of God and he's putting to get to death the things of the flesh. This is sanctification. It's this process that we, we enter into now for the, for the rest of our lives. When we give our lives to the Lord, we just say, okay, God, uh, it's not going to be perfect. I'm going to be in this process for forever, but I'm going to start looking more like you. And I showed that really awkward picture of me from middle school and how, man, in any three-month segment, it doesn't really look like much has changed in my life. But if you look back at that picture from middle school, I just praise the Lord that like I've changed a little, right? And same is true with our faith sometimes. Where we just, my wife's laughing the hardest. She's like, yeah, thank the Lord you changed a little bit. But with our faith too, there's ups and there's downs, but over time, we slowly start to look more like him. Praise the Lord. And, and my, my fear and, and the reality of, of being a Christian, being in that process is at times we can convince ourselves that that's it. That's it. If I, can just, if I can just put Jesus at the center, if I can just, if I can just um, make my identity, find my identity more and more in who he says I am, less of who I say I am, less what the world says I am, if I just place my identity on the bedrock of who he is, and if I just pursue sanctification the rest of my life, I'll, I'll be good. And what we, what we can accidentally do is we can kind of put ourselves in this glass case where we say, okay, now I've been saved. Now I'm being sanctified. But I, I better kind of slowly disappear from the world that I'm plugged into. And I, start, I better start putting myself in some of these Christian contexts. And I, I better get all new friends. And I better not go hang out the same places I've ever been. And, and we start to say, okay, this is where I have to be is I have to just be a Christian. I got to stay safe. And I got to be mindful. I don't fall into any sin. And I can't get dirty anymore. And that's not the call that God has on our lives. Sanctification, it's important. Receiving your right identity, it's important. In fact, it, like I said, it undergirds, it, it supports all of what we're talking about today. And what we're talking about today is taking ground for the kingdom of God. Because that's what God has designed us for. Not that we might just progressively get better for our own benefit, but so that we might proclaim his glory out into the world that we live in. That's what this is all about. We, all the last three weeks of messages, that we, can't, we can't do today's message without them, but they don't terminate on themselves. They blossom into this idea of carrying the kingdom of God with us wherever we go. And the ability in which we're able to be effective in this area will largely tie to how well we can stay committed to these first three weeks. And so what I'd like today, to do today first is just kind of look at maybe a working definition of the kingdom of God. Uh, because I think we can think about that. We can think about it in a lot of different contexts. And so uh, John Piper puts it this way. 
He says it's God's kingly rule, his reign, his action, his lordship, his sovereign governance. It's God being Lord and and doing and decreeing and and just seeing things manifest in the way that he wishes they would happen. As As he lords over creation, it just operating in a way that he wants it to operate. That is God's kingdom as he is seated as the king he's he's in his seat as the king of kings lord of lords and he just wants to see his creation his kingdom operating in a way that he designed it to operate and and so the kind of theme verse that we'll look at today that has established in it Psalm 103 the lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all so i don't know about you but i just get this this picture just god sitting on his throne looking out at the world and it's it's just him saying i, I am the king of kings and lord of lords like i just said he, he's he's sitting there in his seat of authority And so the first place that we got to go to look at the kingdom of God is the first instance where we see the kingdom of God existing in its most unfiltered and pure way. And that's in the garden, in the garden. And so if you would open your Bibles up, turn to Genesis chapter one with me. And we're going to read, as you read through the creation narrative, um, you just see God um, operating and, and executing different plans of his in a way that he's not, operating around any obstacles, right? You don't, you don't get the sense as he's, as, he's, uh, as he's separating the light from the dark and as he's making everything, you know, he's putting, he's putting all life in the ocean. He's bringing forth all vegetation. He's bringing forth all the creeping things on the earth. Like there's nothing stopping him from just doing what he wants. He just, he just does as he wants. He creates as he wishes. And, and like I was thinking about this this week, like he creates some kind of odd stuff, Right, but nobody's stopping him. Like he has, he has like sea turtles, and he has land turtles, and he has small turtles and big turtles, like big turtles that kids could ride. You know, like all. It's just like, what do you, Lord? What do you? Okay, like you're just doing as you wish because you're the king, and that is that is the creation narrative, right? There's nothing in his way. He's not hindered in any way. He's just he's just doing and operating, and he's creating this beautiful creation that just operates in this this symphonic beauty, right? Where everything gives and takes and it moves and it, and it ebbs and it just, it's like, it's just beautiful. And so uh, Genesis chapter one, uh, starting in verse 24, reads like this. You can open your Bible. You can, I think it's on the screen here for you. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It's kind of this like, say, this, this thing that concludes each part of creation. God's like, there it is. It's good. It's good. I love it. Then God said, this is what we have on the slides. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so there's a couple things that I conclude from the garden is, is at first the, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's no death like yet, right? We know how the story goes, but there's no death at first. There's no, not even like we feel the punishment of 
The, the wages of sin are death. And we feel that reality in the world we live in. Obviously, there, there are tragedies that happen all around us. But it's not just death that's a punishment, but it's also just mortality. Like, do you not just feel that like everything around us is expiring? And, and so I said this first service and I, I thought they were gonna like throw a pitchfork fork at me. It was wild. Um, but like, I'm, I'm turning 30 this year, which is, which is like surprising to me, okay? I know some of you are north of 30 by just a couple years. But um, like, so uh, here's the reality of like, I, I'm starting to see wrinkles on my face that I didn't notice before. I'm starting to get up out of bed and I'm like, I slept, I slept too long. Like that's a thing and I, I, I'm sore and it hurts. Like, and I'm like, uh, I hurt myself sleeping. Like what happened here? <laughs> so you guys are all laughing. First service, they're booing at me. And now there's all this like whining and I, someone threw a cabbage, I think. It just missed my head barely. But the reality is, is every single one of us in this room are feeling the reality of our bodies expiring. It's like, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, some of you are in high school and you're like, what? Like, what's that? I don't know what's happening. But it's, it's where it's, it's it, we feel it. This, this all of creation sort of groans and longs to, to be re, remade, to be restored. And, and it's just this, it's just not the way that God designed this to happen. In God's initial kingdom, in his sovereign rule and reign, it was, it was this everlasting life. It was life, there was abundant life everywhere. And, and the other thing that I noticed about the book of Genesis is that when you just read through the creation narrative, if you just read it and, and you get to the point of the fall, um, of course, we all know that, that uh, it, was a, it was a big deal that Adam and Eve ate from the tree, they ate from that fruit. Um, but you would never conclude that the main call for man and woman was to just avoid the tree. You would never conclude that the main mission of humanity was just to avoid that tree. The, the main mission, the charge that's given to humanity, that's entrusted to humanity is to, is to create life, is to create life, to create beautiful things, to, to cultivate that which is good, to, to subdue and to put into order, to have dominion, exercise your dominion over the creation. And so God could have cho chose to give, in, like, to give this to anything in his creative order, but he chose to give it to humankind. That he, might, he, he chose us to lord over his creation in a way that we would bear the image of God. We're the only people that get to bear that image. We're the only ones that God picked up out of the dearth and actually breathed his life into. And so now we get to reflect his nature into the world that we live in. And so as we are cultivating, as we are creating, as we are subduing and exercising our dominion over, we're doing it in a way that, that might reflect the very nature of who God is and what he would do. So we're not doing that in a, in a selfish way. We're not burning through all of our resources in an irresponsible way, but, we're, but everything that we're doing in creation, we, we're stewarding it well for our creator. You would never conclude that the main point is just to avoid the tree. And for some of you this morning, I think it might help you that, that um, you're focused so much on not taking from the tree. You're focused so much on this sin. You're focused so much on this behavior, this pattern, where what you need to do is you need to embrace the mission. You need to embrace the calling that God originally had on your life, which is that to be, to be a subduer, to have dominion over, to go out and take ground for the kingdom of God. And once you start to look at that purpose and you start to realize, okay, God, that's what you've called me into, then you start to focus there and you start to say, that behavior doesn't make sense with where I'm meant to be. 
That behavior doesn't line up with who God has called me to be. I can't keep doing that because God, you've called me to this. So it becomes a perspective issue. If you focus so much on this, you can't get breakthrough from this sin and that sin is bad. But I'm just saying what you need to do is you need to focus on the calling that God's already put in your life. That Jesus has called you to do something greater. Jesus has called you not to be, not to be uh, fearful, not to be afraid, but to be more than conquerors in Christ. So the, the last thing that I draw from, from Genesis is that uh, Adam and Eve participating in the original sin, it, it's not just some like, ooh, oops, like mistake, made him a little mistake, made a little mistake, sorry, God. Um, it's not just this accident. It's not just this thing that they, was like, ooh, my bad, you know. Um, it's actually uh, the first time there's been rebellion to God's kingly rule. So it's the first time that someone's acted contrary to the wishes of the king. And that, of course, has this whole just downward spiral that we're all still feeling today. Because, because I, love, I love that the promise is made right then and there from the very first sin that God's going to show up and he's going to be the one who takes care of this. He's going to be the one who takes care of this sin problem, this rebellion problem, this, because Adam and Eve rebelled against the king, but we've all chosen our own rebellion against him to pursue our own ways, to pursue our own things that we thought would be better and to disregard what the king has asked of us. We've all participated in this now. But then Jesus, Amen. But then Jesus, and when Jesus steps on, the, steps on the scene, he is the one who's going to take the bite in the heel, but he's going to crush the head of the serpent. And he does that through his death, burial, resurrection. And then through his ascension, he sends, of course, his Holy Spirit to then empower us to carry forward the mission of God. And so what Jesus does is he starts to usher in the kingdom. And he, he speaks about it a ton, Right? As, as Jesus starts to talk and as he starts to interact and as he starts to minister, he speaks in this way that like the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's here. It's, right, it's in your midst right now. And Jesus talks about the kingdom a lot. Uh, but, and and, and we, so now we step into this place where we already get to experience the goodness of the kingdom, right? So like we all get to experience God's love, his joy, his peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We get to experience, we get to experience kind of these good things that God's starting to do in the earth. So we already get to walk in those things, but we've not yet come to realize what the kingdom will be like fully, right? So this, I hope this, this is refreshing to my spirit, because like, of course, right now where we're living is not the, the pure, unfiltered kingdom of God. There's still death around. There's still disease. There's still heartache. There's still heartbreak. There's still tragedy. There's still grief. There's loss. There's pain. There's suffering. It's not how it will be in the kingdom of God. So we already get to experience some of the, some of the parts of it, but we're not yet arrived there fully. And, and so um, Jesus starts to talk about the kingdom of God. And, and I love the way he puts it like this in, in um, Matthew 5. We can throw that up there, Don. And we can start to see kind of our role in this is that God has called us to be carriers of light, carriers of his light. And so, like I said, through his death, burial, and resurrection, we get to have our restoration back to Christ. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he empowers us now to carry forward the mission. What's the mission? The mission is to, that we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill, it cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. 
so that you can see it and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. So they may see the grace of God operating your life. They may see the transforming that's happening in your heart. And then they may what? Glorify your father who is in heaven. They might see you and give glory. And what that becomes is it becomes this light that's put in us, that's entrusted with us. And we carry it forward into the dark place of this world and we put it in other people. We go, therefore, make disciples of all nations and we make other little carriers of light. We stoke those little hearts to be bonfires of praise so that they might erupt. And so people might see them all over the place where there's just these disciples everywhere following and loving Jesus. And this, this light might spread into the world. Because again, we can get caught up in this way where we think that, oh my gosh, the church, we got to stay out of the world because of the darkness is like the world's dark out there. And the world, is the world dark out there? Yeah, like it's real dark in some places, but, but the nature of light is that it always pushes back what is dark. So I don't know if you've been in here for a Christmas Eve service, but we all light candles, right? It, it really is one of my favorite moments of the entire year uh, where we sing Silent Night, we light all these candles and it always has started with Pastor Kent standing right here and he lights a candle and then it just sort of spreads all throughout the room. And you know what's never going through my mind? Ooh, like I hope it works this year. I hope this place lights up and is all pretty. I just, I don't know, like it's really dark in here this year. Like the dark is like really dark right now. Like the world we're living in is like really dark. Like I don't know if the light's gonna light it up. It's contrary to the way light works. We have to be confident that, that, that this light will pierce and push back that which is dark. It's the nature of light. It's the nature of the light that's in you. It's the nature of the light that's in me is that we can overcome that which is dark, which is in the world. And so we got to be carriers of the presence of God. We got to be carriers of his kingdom because we can, we can arrive it into the situations and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. We carry God's light. Why would we put, why would we cover that up? Why would we choose not to enter into the darkest places of this world? Um, how many of you were at Tom Terrell's funeral service yesterday? Just slip your hand up real quick. Several of you, there are lots in first service. Tom Terrell, uh, a beloved man of this faith community, he passed away suddenly last Sunday. Um, and and uh, yeah, he, he was 65. It was his birthday last Sunday, and he got called home to be with the Lord. And I, we sat in his funeral service yesterday, and there were five, 600 people in here. The place was just packed. And um, that man knew how to carry the kingdom with him wherever he went. Yeah, he just, he just didn't settle for anything that didn't line up with the kingdom of God. He stepped in, and he, and he carried it with him. And, and so you know, a lot of people came up and shared and, and they sh shared stories of Tom. And, and, and I got this sense that maybe you did too, if you were here, it just felt like anybody probably could have popped up and the, the heart of the message that was communicated would have been the same. Like the stories would have been different, but the message would have been the same is that, man, Tom just looked like Jesus. Uh, Jesus touched me through Tom and my, my life's never been the same. That's carrying the kingdom with you. It's this, it's this recognition that, that uh, his, his son, Jesse, maybe said it the best, that Tom didn't go around and he didn't spend a lot of time trying to defend God to people. He didn't kind of try and assert God onto people and just try to like show off for God because it was kind of like, yeah, I don't want to serve a God who's not capable of doing that himself. And we don't. We don't serve a God who's not capable of doing that himself. Tom just lived his life in a way that just let Jesus shine to the other people around him. It's the kingdom. 
It's Tom carrying the kingdom of God into whatever space, into whatever hurt, into whatever brokenness he stepped into. And you and I, there's no varsity level of this. There's no junior varsity level of this. We're carriers of light. And we get to take that with us wherever we go. So I think somewhat like the natural question is to like, okay, um, okay, I, I get it. I carry the kingdom of God. The presence of God lives in me, the Holy Spirit's indwelling in me. And so as God's doing a work in me, I get to go out into the kingdom and I get to bring these, these uh, hurting, broken, lost, dark places of the world. I get, to bring, I get to bring the beauty of the kingdom into them. Where do I start, right? Isn't that kind of the first question your brain goes to? Like, so where do we, where do we get involved? And I think the way we understand where we get involved is we look at the world that we're sitting in and you look at the world that God has placed you in already. And so, I, I mean, of course, smaller than just like, okay, planet Earth. Well, I like, okay, very good. Like God's placed you on planet Earth, okay? Like, I mean, what, where do you work? What kids are in your life? What, what, what people are in your life? Where do you go grocery shopping? Where do you do these things? And, and look at that. And as you look out into your community, into the world that God has placed you in, you you see what you see with your eyes, but then you also see the world to come. You see the world to come. You see, because pillars of our faith is that we, we know what the kingdom of God looked like in the garden. We sit here now in this already not yet where God is establishing his kingdom. But then we also, what marks our faith is, is this is this hope that we have in us that God will one day usher in his kingdom forevermore in, in a pure and unfiltered way. So um, jump to Revelation 21 with me. Revelation 21, studying all week, I kept wanting to say Revelation 23. There's not a Revelation 23. It stops at 22, all right? I'm not trying to add ver- like chapters to the Bible. And everyone said, praise the Lord, Okay. John, John writes this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I just, like, I can't wait to see how beautiful it is. Just a side note. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of, place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Pay attention to this verse here. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And the former things have passed away. I'm just gonna keep reading just a little bit more. And he said, who was, and, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And so you notice what the kingdom is going to be like when we get there. You notice what heaven is going to be like is there won't be any mourning. There won't be any grief. There won't be any sadness. There won't be any hurts. There won't be any wounds. God's going to make all these sad things untrue. He's going to redeem. And, and, and that's what we long for. Don't you? Like, does, isn't there, I think there's just something in every human spirit that when we see the injustices, when we see the hurts of this world, we just go, that's not what it's supposed to be like. And God's going, that's not the way it's supposed to be like. 
That's not the way I designed this to work. What I want to see is this. And he's given us this picture of what heaven will look like. And so what we get to do in the here and now is we get to look at the world that we're living in. We get to look at the places that God has placed us and we go, God, what doesn't line up with the coming kingdom? And so as we see the injustices in the world, as we see, as we see the, the kids who don't have parents, like people will all be a part of a family in heaven. There will be no kids without parents in heaven. We all belong to one another. We'll all be a part of this family. It's going to be beautiful. No one's going to feel like they don't belong. As we look and we, we see homelessness, and we see poverty, extreme poverty, that's not what's going to happen in heaven. People will have houses in heaven. And so as we sit in this already not yet tension, we get to look at things like, like all these different injustices and we get to look at them and we go, how can I help bring the kingdom of God into the here and now? We're not at Revelation 21 yet. We're not there yet. I have a friend who works for this company uh, called Angel Armor. They make ballistic proof uh, vests and stuff like that, which, which if he would say if he was sitting right here, uh, Austin, it's not bulletproof. There's no such thing as bulletproof because he's just that kind of dude. Um, uh, it's an awesome company. They, they, their mission, really, what they seek to do is to protect those who protect us, which I think is beautiful. I think it's awesome. Um, and so they make these vests. They make kind of uh, door inserts. And uh, the, the, one, of their, one of their mottos, one of their mantras, you could say, is we've never arrived. We've never arrived. Like as a company, we just want to keep innovating. We, we want to keep getting better. We want to keep, we, like until every officer is safe, we have to keep getting better. We got to find a way to keep making these things cheaper so we can get them into more departments, right? I, just, I think that's like, a, it's a great thing. And, and he's been asking me to come out and tour uh, just their, their facility and stuff like that. So I got to go out there last Friday um, and it was awesome. I got to shoot a mannequin. Like I just got to shoot some of the bulletproof vest on and it was great. I didn't miss. So that was, that was cool. I almost missed once, but I didn't. And um, I, I was surprised that I got to shoot something. I don't know why I was surprised. I'm like, I'm going to a place that makes these things. Anyway, this is all a whole side note, but uh, it was awesome. It was such a fun time. And I think that you could just feel that sort of innovative spirit in their whole organization. And, and what I've been asking the Lord is, God, would you give me just distinct uh, cultural kind of intangible things that we, can, that we can grab onto as a church here? Because we know who we are. We know what we believe. We stand firmly on these values, right? But, but who, what are the things that are going to be these kind of like unique flavors that make us us? And it's not that we've never arrived. It can't be their mantra. It's that we haven't arrived. We haven't arrived, church. Turn to somebody, say, we haven't arrived. It's second service. Some of you sit next to one person. Turn to somebody like a row away from you and just be like, hey, yo, haven't arrived. <laughs> like four of you didn't turn around, so I'm just, oh. thank you, Tommy. We haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. I don't look out into the world and see Revelation 21 yet. I don't see all sad things being undone. I, don't, I still see hurt. I still see brokenness. We have work to do. We get to choose in the here and now how much we want to participate in ushering in the kingdom of God in, on this earth, in this community as we see it, in Loveland as it is in heaven. And, and so it is not going to be my job to tell you how to vote. Can we all just agree? It is going to be my job to hold up this book and to look at the things that are happening in the world that we're living in 
and to call us into action to get involved and to do something somewhere. And so what I've noticed over really just the last years that I've been able to pay attention, right? Like I'm 30 years old, so I'm only like really consciously thinking of these things for like the last dozen years. Some of you have been paying attention a lot longer than that. The world that we're living in right now, and particularly I'm talking about the United States of America, I think what we have witnessed is the rise of, of government strength and social programming in the world that we live in to the point where the government is now helping in the area of school and it's helping in the area of uh, economics, it's helping in the area of healthcare. And, and please, if you're sitting in this room and you participate in any sort of government program, I'm, I'm not finding any fault in you right now. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Where, where, where the flaw, I think, exists in the system is I think that somewhere along the way, what must have happened is the church abdicated herself of the responsibility and privilege to step into some of these areas where we can care for the least of these. And so I just... Not telling you how to vote. I just think that I think that as we look at the world, uh, what I want to see is I want to see the church strengthened, not so that she might gather a bunch of people to herself so that we can go, oh, look at how strong and awesome the church is, but so that we might actually go be out, going out in the world, spending ourselves for the kingdom, caring for the widows and orphans, caring for the people who can't afford the, the health care they need, caring for the people, the single moms of the world, caring for the people who, who don't have homes to live in right now. And we say, no, 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 no. Uh, like government, those aren't your people. Those are our people to take care of. Because the most important thing to, to the Lord is his people. It's the people that he's created and it should be the church who goes, hey, I'm going to take care of those people. They are ours. So please hear me. I find no fault in being on those programs. I just think that, I think that where they find their rest is in the wrong place. They should, they should find their rest. They should find their strength, their power in the church. And, and I think, like, honestly, if we just, if we got to be really honest with ourselves and say, man, you know what? The church has probably had opportunity. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church in America. We've probably had opportunities and chances to get involved in the hurts that were in the world. And we didn't. And so well-meaning, well-intentioned people built programs to try and help those people who weren't getting any help. That's kind of the hard reality of probably where we sit at as a nation right now is that the church could have gotten involved and, and over time she just didn't. And, and what I just long to see, and so I'm not sitting up here saying, okay, and we're going to change the legislation of the whole nation. This little church is going to make all the difference. Okay, like maybe someday all the churches will work together to do that. It's the only way it's going to happen. It's never going to be one church. But, but, but what this church can do is what we're already doing. We can stay involved in schools. We, God's already called us to Conball and to Mary Blair. He called us to Stansbury too, but Rip Stansbury, right? Like it's gone. They closed. We love them still, right? But God's already placed us in this community. There's, I was talking with a friend who, who's uh, in administration in our school district. He said, you wouldn't believe the number of homeless kids in our schools right now. Right now, Thompson School District, kids who don't have a place to call home. There's foster care in our community right now kids who don't have a home to go into. There's, there's homelessness. There's, and so, so look, what, so what program are we rolling out? We're not rolling out a program. What we're rolling out is this idea that every single one of us needs to see ourselves as carriers of the kingdom of God. And as we look out into the world that we see, as we look out in the city of Loveland, as you look out in the workplace that God has put you in, you go, not, not as I see it now. I'm going to see it for what it could be. 
I'm gonna see it for what it could, I'm gonna see what God could do in this place. And so we, we sit in the reality of the world that we sit in, but we also are gonna try and usher in the world to come as much as we possibly can. I kind of want to end like with this thought and then I'll come back up and say a few more things, but we're going to, we, I thought it'd be a good idea to uh, sing as we end. Uh, my son Harrison, he's sitting right here. Um, he didn't know I was going to put him on the spot like this, he, but he wanted to watch me preach today. So I was like, come on, dude, I'm going to call you out anyway. So um, we have been going back, listening to all these like uh, nursery, what you would have learned in the nursery as kids, these like kind of songs and stuff like that. Cause I didn't go into a Christian house. So I, I didn't, uh, I didn't get those as a kid, right? So I'm trying to backfill a, a need in my heart of just learning all these little nursery rhymes from children's church and stuff. Uh, you guys remember the one Joshua fought the battle of Jericho? Anyone, can anyone sing it? Joshua, come on. Jericho, Jericho. Right, okay, so let's not sing the whole thing because that's, and the walls came tumbling down, right? Like that's how it all ends, right? And so we're singing that the other day and, and Harrison's like, dad, that's not true. I was like, bro, this is like gospel music straight from children's church. You don't question that kind of stuff, right? He's, I was like, what? Like, what do you mean it's not true? What do you mean it's not true? He's like, Joshua didn't fight the battle of Jericho. God did. I was like, yeah, like drop the mic, right? Like, Gosh darn it, that kid is right. Joshua at best cleaned up Jericho after God had pummeled the thing, right? And so we are carriers of God's kingdom. We are more than conquerors in Christ. And there's a city out there that we need to take. It's the temptation, the easy thing is just to stay in here and just to come into church every week and just to come and get built up all the time. But the way we were designed is to pour out so that we might receive in abundance. Because as God pours out, we will never get full. So we're just gonna go, we gotta go and we gotta spend ourselves for the city. But it, it would have been futile for Joshua and, and, and the armies of Israel to try and attack Jericho without the Lord. And so what I, I love the story of Jericho. It's what they did, right? It's, it's crazy. They just walked around that city and they sang at it. So stand up. We're, we're going to sing a song here. We're going to sing the song, All Hail King Jesus. Because what you do when you worship, you are ascribing worth to the Lord. You are ministering to the Lord is one thing that you're doing for sure. But what you're also doing is you're aligning your heart. You're aligning the language that's coming out of your mouth to line up with the kingdom, with, what, with what's happening in heaven is what we're going to sing. And so we're going to come and we're going to sing. And, and listen, sing with us. Oh, it's not really sing in church. Yes, you do. As of today, we're going to sing in church. We're going to sing and we're going to, and while you're singing, picture that coworker of yours. Picture that, picture that marriage that's on the rocks that you know about. Picture that, picture whatever it is that's in your life that doesn't line up with the kingdom of God. And we're going to sing and we're going to sing and we're going to line ourselves up with what's going on in heaven. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord that he would break down those walls. So... I think a big mistake that we can make in a service like this is we could allow some of us to get all fired up and, and to really embrace the message and just receive it and go, okay, yes, I'm a carrier of the kingdom of God. And then some of us might get discouraged. 
Because you think about your platform, you think about the level of influence that you have, and you go, it's so minimal. What difference am I going to make? Uh, like, I love kind of what's happening in some celebrity circles right now where you have guys like Kanye West, and he's releasing an album called Jesus is King, and it's like, oh my gosh, like Kanye, of all the people, like gathering all these hundreds of thousands of people, he's, he's like, he's ministering to all these people, and like, who knew, right? Praise God for what's happening in Kanye. And like, you know, Justin Bieber, like, I'm kind of waiting to see what's happening there too, but... But, but, but the currency of the kingdom is not these like impressing God with these big acts that you do on your own. The, the currency of the kingdom is faith-filled obedience. That's how, that's how the kingdom of God moves forward is through faith-filled obedience. Your faith being empowered by his grace leading you to do, to do the things that God is calling you to do. And so I, Austin, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I, I can't, how am I bringing the kingdom of God forward? You're a stay-at-home mom. You have so much time that you're getting to pour into these little disciples and to just cultivate their hearts to fall more and more in love with Jesus. Like you're raising little kingdom makers. Not just a stay-at-home mom, you're raising kingdom movers. Oh, awesome, I'm retired. I, I, I don't get to see that many people all the time. I just, I just am at home most of the time. Well, you're not at home all the time. You, there are times when you go out of your house, you might go grocery shopping, you interact with somebody. There are young ladies in this church who, could just, who would just love to be mentored, young men who would just love to be discipled, and they need somebody in their life just to be cultivated, cultivating life and cultivating this, this little heart that might just one day just be a bright, shining light in the darkness. It's, it, 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 well, some of you have awesome businesses. You do have a big platform. It's all, it all just still boils down. It reduces down to are you being faithful with what God has put in your hands? You might think it's nothing. You might think it's everything. It's whatever God's put there. Are you going to be faithful to be obedient, to follow him with whatever he's calling you to do? It's like the lady who, the woman who comes up and she puts, she puts just two coins in the offering. And Jesus says, she's, she's given the most. Because she gave out of her heart. She, she, gave, she gave out of her lack. She gave everything she had. It's just about whatever God puts there. God's not impressed by an amount. He's a, a, impressed by an amount of obedience with what he's put in your hands. I want to read this quote. I didn't read this first service, but I meant to. N.T. Wright, I think he, he captures this point perfectly. And so just, if you need to close your eyes, however you need to just listen, listen. And then, and then we're going to go back into song. My wife had that idea first service, and how many of you guys know men in the house, like your wives have good ideas, and they're probably better than yours? Just say, especially when your wife's like mine, she hears from the Lord. So, okay. N.T. Wright says, what you do in the present by painting or preaching, singing or sewing, praying or teaching, building hospitals or digging wells, campaigning for justice or writing poems, caring for the needy or loving your neighbor as yourself, all of this will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable until the day when we leave it behind altogether. They are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. Church, would you pray?
pray and then we're gonna close in song. Lord, we love you and we pray that you would, would you just light us up? Would you help us see that we get to be carriers of the kingdom of God? Would you help us see that we get to step into, it's our privilege to go into the darkest places of this world and to bring your light to the people who are hurting the most. God, would we own this as our responsibility? Would we see ourselves as the difference maker? Would we see the chance, the opportunity that you've given us by your Holy Spirit to just, to just bring your kingdom, usher in your kingdom in this world? God, don't let us go from here thinking we can build your kingdom without you. And so I pray that your presence would fill us up, that we wouldn't try and build the kingdom without the king, that we wouldn't try and do ministry for you, Jesus, unless we're willing to do life with you, Jesus. We ask that you would fill us up, that you would take us out of here, and that we might spend ourselves for your glory and for your good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.